0: Everyone knows that this is a special Shabbat, right? This is—it's uh, called Shabbat Hagadol. It is the Shabbat before Pesach, and so this special Shabbat, from as long ago as the earliest sages uh, in Judaism, it has been customary in Jewish communities throughout the world that someone from the congregation, an outstanding Torah scholar of the congregation, would come and address all the people on this Shabbat. And since I couldn't find one of those, you're going to have me to do that for you today. Uh The purpose of this address, traditionally, is to teach the people the ways of God and instruct them in the laws of Passover, So the rabbi or the scholar explains how utensils must be prepared for use on Passover, how to remove the chametz, the laws concerning the baking of mitzvot, all kinds of things. But his purpose is to ensure that the people do not err in the slightest in the observance of the festival. It's also customary that the rabbi would add other material that would speak to the heart during this time, as well as subjects of topical interest. And I thought to myself when I read that description, Wow, that sounds like a great idea, and therefore, this is what we'll do. You'll be happy to know that it is also often the longest message of the year. So it's a good thing you have your blankets, your pillows, you're outside, you're already positioned for a short little snooze along. I'm kidding. It's, here's the great news. It's not going to be that long for you because I'm going to tell you, how to err, how to not err in the slightest degree in the festival, and I'm going to give you something that is, I hope, an inspiration for your heart, and it's not going to take me a long time to do that. And that's, that's something different, because you know that usually I take some time. But that brings up some other questions. On all other Shabbat Haggadols, the synagogue is buzzing with people and excitement. Why on this Shabbat Haggadol? Is the synagogue empty? On all other Shabbat Hagadol, you talk for a long time. Why on this one are you only talking briefly? On all other pre-Passover seasons, people are out and about. They're gathering stuff for the Seder. They're going crazy. Why on this Passover are we staying inside? On all other Passover Seders, the house is full filled with guests, and a huge meal is prepared, why on this Passover are we only celebrating with family? How many questions did I just ask? You see what I did there? It's a little Passover thing. Four questions. Just get me in the mood. Passover is quickly approaching, and if you haven't noticed, things are indeed a little bit different right now. So, While Passover normally means large celebrations, family, friends, guests from all over, this year is different. And the worldwide response to COVID-19 means isolation for us in Georgia. We, as of last night, went into a particularly um, uh, specific time of what the governor called sheltering in place. But, this, this social distancing and solutions as a danger to what is indeed a modern plague. It's remarkable in our time. And with these measures in place, there aren't going to be any large seders this year. Even in the, even in the highly ultra-Orthodox communities of Israel that for some period of time were ignoring all of the instructions They are not having seders. Their their rabbis have finally instructed them not to do that. So we'll be surrounded this Passover by immediate family members sheltering us in place, as we're going to recall what we always recall, the miracles, the exodus, the redemption. Pondering this new reality, though, a, a, a thought emerges for me, and I'm sure for you, Isn't that the way it was at the first Passover? I mean, the first Passover, if we think about it, strangely enough, its original context was all about social distancing. And we read in Exodus, take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that's in the basin and touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. They were quarantined. They were socially distancing from the Egyptians. Here's the paraphrase from God. I want you to stay inside, away from the people of Egypt. Something is bad out there, and it will kill you. Know that I am with you, and you will be protected if you do what I say. And really, on the spiritual level, of course, we know what God was calling his people to. He was calling them to a separation from idolatry. He was calling them from separation from Egypt. It's particularly important to note that God gave in advance his reasoning for sending these plagues. The reason was so that everyone would know him. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the sons of Israel from their midst. He was going to get their attention. And guess what? He's getting everyone's attention again at this season. COVID 19 has gotten everyone's attention finally. We are all affected in some way. And I want you to put satyrs aside for just a moment and think about this. Satyrs aside, we can no longer attend sporting events, go to the movies. Go to the theater. Go enjoy a concert. For some of us, we can't even go to work. Our employment has been put on hold. Hospitals are like war zones. We're praying desperately for our our doctors, our nurses, all the hospital staff, all of the first responders who don't have a choice. The economy has been stalled as the markets react to uncertainty. Our church and synagogue services obviously have moved Inside, they're virtually, and every day we hear of the new numbers of cases and, God forbid, the deaths of this modern-day plague. These are uncertain times. But as different as this is for us, how much more unsettling must it have been to be in Egypt at that time? It's quite the understatement to say that water turning into blood, that lice and, and frogs and like death of livestock, devastation of your crops and the culminating death of the firstborn of every person who didn't pay attention truthfully. I might have wondered, had I been there, if God was really in charge And yet he was, and he always is, and he always will be. And that is something that is not different. That is something that will never be different. He has a plan which is executed to perfection. And here's something else that's not different. Everywhere in the world... And the world is represented here on this call, actually. We have South Africa. We have different places. We even have the planet of California represented on this call here today. Everywhere in the world, society is preoccupied with self And it's not a stretch to suggest that idolatry is alive and well today. Actors and athletes are treated as gods. Financial security, personal wealth are the definition of success in life. The institution of marriage and family is is dismissed and laughed and mocked and jeered at as some, some antiquated idea. The world suffers from an illness and has, long before this one, that's called egotism. It has always been, but now more than ever. Is this God's judgment? I've said it before. I am not suggesting that God is pouring out judgment on the earth or that this is the end of the world. And I've heard that from far too many people who should know better. The prophets, when they spoke, God spoke to them, they spoke to us. It is terrifyingly presumptuous for someone in today's world to suggest that they know the mind of God. I read a very interesting observation this week from a great, now 90, I think, 90-year-old theologian named Frederick Buechner. I'm not sure if any one of you know him, but he had this to say about religion as escapism and the danger. Religion has often been denounced as escapism, and it often is to deny the prevalence of pain in the world and the perennial popularity of evil, to abdicate responsibility for them by assuming that God will take care of them very nicely on his own to accept them as divine judgment upon the sins, especially of other people, to dismiss them or to encourage others to dismiss them by stressing the promise of pie in the sky, to pretend that there's no such thing as death, to maintain your faith by refusing to face any nasty fact that threatens it. These are all ways of escaping reality through religion and should be denounced it is almost easier i would say honestly to push this away and say god's mad he's killing people because he's mad and it's happened i'm not denying it there are plenty of censuses and things in israel's life golden calves and different things where god was angry and people died in a plague but in our age we have to really stop and consider something deeper than that religious escapism Beekner continues, the desire to escape is not always something to be denounced. Any prisoner or slave could tell you that. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you're truly my disciples. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Free from sin, he explained when they pressed him. Free from imprisonment within the narrow walls of your own, not all that enlightened self-interest. Free from enslavement to your own shabbiest Instincts, deceits, and self deceptions. Freedom not from responsibility, but freedom for it. Escape not from reality, but into it. Thank God, the entire world has recognized the gravity of our situation. Selfishness was probably at the center of much of the early spread of this virus. Egotism. Refusal to care enough about the vulnerable, those who might be at risk. Refusal to care enough to limit our personal enjoyment for the sake of others. I am guilty initially of that. Like I said, some things are not different. And now we find ourselves celebrating seders with social distancing, sheltering in place seders like they did in Egypt, actually. Wow, we've even got a plague and all. And I am not a prophet. But I am confidently suggesting that just like God did then, he's doing something now. But we'll need to tune in. God doesn't need much to get people's attention. I mean, lice and frogs, and they're pretty small, but wow, they did some Egypt damage, didn't they? Now with nothing more than a microscopic infectious agent, the master of the universe has brought our world to its knees. But is it, is it possible That rather than an act of judgment, it is a mission of chesed, of God's kindness. Now, I know that people have died from COVID 19, this terrible virus. Please understand that I am not making that kindness comment casually. This pandemic is a tragedy, and at this point, it is far from over. We are praying and praying and praying for our people on the front lines. Still, we want to make sure that we don't miss a potential message. Hear his voice. In the Passover story, only the ones who heard the instruction and listened, who took the required action of putting blood on the door and staying inside, survived. God can call you all day long. But if you don't listen and follow, you miss not only the protection, but the blessing. Some Egyptians were saved. We know that a mixed multitude went out. That means that the message was for any who would listen. The rabbi's job on Shabbat HaGadol is to help the congregation not err in the slightest observance of the festival and to add material that speaks to the heart. Here it is in one fell swoop. It's a message now that you're beginning to hear a lot, but I've been feeling it and I think communicating it from the beginning. So as we prepare to celebrate Passover secluded and sheltered, pay attention to this. Be different. God is calling us to appreciate the simple things in life, family, friends, employment, blessing, his remarkable provision and blessing that we take for granted, a reminder to appreciate a hug or a handshake, the beauty and power of a smile exchanged in a face-to-face interaction, and I don't mean virtually face-to-face to understand the true blessing of being able to come into what is now this empty sanctuary, but later to stand side by side with our disciples, not forsaking the assembly as Hebrews 10 tells us we should never do, to be able to come together and worship God. This year, that starts at home. So our seders will be different. They will actually have much more in common with the first Passover meal. Don't miss it. God orders his people to stay inside while he did something important outside there. He got everyone's attention, Israel and Egypt. But inside the homes of the children of Israel, I seriously doubt that it was just kumbaya happy singing songs. I'm not sure how much of a celebration really took place while all this was going on. There was uncertainty and I'm sure some fear and not knowing how it was all going to work out. And this year more than ever, we can kind of relate to that feeling a little bit more. And yet we are called to celebrate a remembrance of God's power And now, at the same time, his mercy. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. A lot was going on outside. But something equally important was going on inside. And I mean really inside, like in the hearts of God's people. My prayer is that that is happening again. You see, we have the gift of 2020 hindsight. We know how that story ended up. And we've seen God deliver his people throughout the Bible, throughout history. And I'm sure that everyone on this call, this service, could attest to the fact that God has delivered you in some way, form, or fashion from some difficult struggle. But now it is time to see 2020 with foresight, the ability to predict or the action of predicting what will happen or be needed in the future. What will be needed is something different than what we have now. Yes, with COVID-19 and uncertainty and on the outside and also the virus of the inside, self-centeredness, egotism. So picture this. As they all huddled together in their Egyptian homes, socially distanced from the world around them, the children of Israel had two simple things, God and each other. Two things which in today's world have come to be underappreciated by way too many people. He was with them. And no matter the uncertainty around this Pesach, we remember that God protects his people. God is with us. And maybe, maybe it's more important to remember that he desires relationship with us. And maybe... He's calling out to everyone right now to prioritize, to appreciate both the divine connection and maybe more importantly, the human one. And I know that not everyone has family. I know that not everyone will have a family around them for a Seder. And without one to go to, you're you're celebrating the festival seemingly alone. But you know you are never alone. If you want to participate in a Seder, we'll try to figure out how to zoom you into one. You just let me know. But remember this, God is with you. You should still have a Seder and some bitter herbs, and eat some horseradish and cry, and some matzah, and sing some songs, and maybe you'll FaceTime your family somewhere else in another town and invite them into your seder, or maybe you'll zoom into their seder. It's difficult, and it's different, but everything is different right now. There's a Chabad female teacher, Hannah Weisberg, that I love very much. She has great insight. She said this, brilliant, brilliant little discussion of the difficulty of a Seder without her children and grandchildren being present this year. I loved her attitude, and it's something that we should model. Eventually, she said, I'll get around to preparing a beautiful Passover. No, it won't be lavish meals, the discussion won't be as lively, and the atmosphere won't be as joyous without my sweet little grandchildren. But I am going to give Passover my all this year, whatever my all is during these crazy times. I will do my best because our world needs spiritual light during a time of such darkness. I will exert myself because we need to really experience liberation. I will try because God is counting on me, on all of us, to open these spiritual channels of blessings, faith, strength, liberty, and healing. And listen, all the material blessings that we have in life are good and they're nice to have. But they cannot be a distraction from our service to God and our responsibility as disciples of Yeshua to do the very things that he said were most important to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. So it's different and we're going to appreciate this uniquely different time and let's see it as a time of family reconnection, not Social distancing. Let's still celebrate the feast with joyful singing, with delicious food, and most importantly, with a sacred recollection of the miracles that God has done for his people and for us, and for all the great and amazing things through Messiah Yeshua that he is yet to do. Hag Pesach Sameach, and Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Makin. Visit MakanMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.